So look with me tonight, dear church, at Romans chapter 2, or Romans 12, verse 2. We understand that in this section, in Romans 12, that Paul has built up to this point from chapters 1 through 11 in building, as we would say, the case for Christ and the case for salvation and the case for grace, a grace-generated righteousness. Martin Luther called it gift righteousness, where the righteousness of Jesus has been gifted to us, applied to our account, not righteousness generated by works, not a a performance-based righteousness at all. The only one who performed was Jesus. The only one who worked and who fought and who earned uh, and, and, and did anything was Jesus. And because of His righteousness, we have righteousness now. And so the apostle spends 11 chapters building this case and laying out a theological, the theological groundwork and framework for every, everything. And then in chapter 12, it's like he shifts from the purely theological, the purely analytical, to the practical. And he says in verse 1, Wherefore, uh, I, I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, I urge you, Because of everything that I've said, everything that I've written for the last 11 chapters, he says, I come before you, brothers, and I beg you, I urge you, because of Jesus, because of His grace, because of His righteousness that has been imputed, that word, imputed to our account, because you've been made alive in Christ, He says, now I I urge you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, I beg you, family of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice to Him. Holy, in a sanctified way. Holy, be acceptable unto God, which is your logical, your reasonable service of worship, He says. Then He continues with that practicality. And he says in verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but you be transformed, here it is, by the renewing of your minds. Tonight I want us to talk just a moment and consider from this verse, spiritual recalibration. Spiritual recalibration. What does it mean to recalibrate something? Well, recalibration means the readjusting, the adjusting of certain types of equipment so that it'll function as it was designed. Uh, when, when we talk about something was calibrated, that means it was, it was adjusted so that the, it would produce the maximum uh, amount of, of, of output according to how it was structured, how it was created, and how it was made. Well, ladies and gentlemen, God is our creator. Our creator knows just 
precisely how our minds, our brains, our hearts, our spirit, our souls should function and, and should be productive. And, 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 and God says here, I want you to experience a, a certain recalibration, a spiritual recalibration, a spiritual adjusting and adjustment so that you can function and I can function exactly how the Lord designed for us to function. And so I want to give you tonight from this verse, this statement, I want to give you five biblical statements that I want you to hang on to. If you're writing notes, I want you to write these down. And, and, and they're all right here in the text. Statement number one, there is an ever-present struggle for us to be pressed into the mold of this depraved culture. There's an ever-present struggle for us to be pressed into the mold of this depraved culture. God says, now look, I don't want you to be conformed to the world. Let's analyze that. Let's think about that. The word conformed there uh, literally carries the idea of being fashioned according to a certain pattern. We say it this way. Uh, we talk about uh, not being pressed, pressed into the mold of something. Um, when, when, when I was a kid, uh, I remember at school playing with Play-Doh. And uh, I remember first, second, even third grade, uh, we'd have Play-Doh time or dough or, or, or clay. And, and, and I remember that the teacher would go to her closet and then pull out a, a, a big box, a big container, like a Tupperware, big Tupperware container of Play-Doh. And she'd come back and open up that, or put it down on the table, open it up, and she'd give every kid a little ball of Play-Doh. And I remember at times, even as a youngster, as a student, uh, having certain, certain little uh, utensils or little uh, uh, images or, or, or molds, we say. Things that, that were already made, already preset. Like a frame and, 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 and that Play-Doh would, would, would be pressed, pressed and mashed into the mold. And then when it would be put back out on the table, it would have the impression of whatever mold it was put in. And God is saying to us, reminding us that for the believer, really for all of us, for everyone in this world, there is a never-ending effort by our enemy and even, friend, by our own flesh that wants to see us squeezed and pressed into the mold of a worldview and a, literally a world, a culture that is, that is depraved, that is, that is bent Marked, tainted by sin, tainted by, by, by depravity. Uh, we don't even, we're not even able to, to, to think God's thoughts any longer. We, we're, we're not operating in the way that He has created for us to operate. God says, be careful that you don't allow yourself to be pressed 
into this world culture, this culture that is humanistic. Uh, it's, 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 it literally is not just uh, um, just disinterested in God or just neutral when it comes to the lordship of God over us. It is hostile toward that. Because humanism at its core says that God is not in charge of me. I am a, 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 a self-autonomous, self-made person. I am accountable to no one but myself. And at the core of all of us in our depraved state, we rebel against God's authority. We rebel against His accountability over us, His, His leadership and His lordship over us. We live in a culture that, uh, that is characterized by the exalting, the promoting, the pleasing, the protecting, the appeasing, and the deifying of self. All of us every day battle that. Every day, routinely, we have to make choices in our own individual Christian lives. Am I going to follow God? Am I going to exalt the Lord? Or am I going to exalt myself? Am I going to seek to please the Lord? Or am I going to please me? The writer years and years ago wrote it very effectively and precisely when he said that there are only two options, two choices on the shelf. Either pleasing God or pleasing self. So the question that we all wrestle with every single day as we come up against that temptation is are we going to be pleasing God or are we going to be pleasing self? Exalting the Lord or exalting us? Self-deification is at the heart of every single person, and that's at the heart of our struggle. Adam Clark made this interesting observation. He said that the world uh, that now is, that's what's being referred to. Don't be conformed to the world. It's the world that now is. And it's the world that Clark said is opposed to the spirit of genuine Christianity. We battle that. That, that, that we, 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 we feel that tension. We feel that tug. There's that ever-present struggle. Statement number one, there's an ever-present struggle for us to be pressed into the mold of this depraved culture. Statement number two, listen carefully. That molding occurs first and foremost in our minds. That molding occurs first and foremost, not outwardly, but in our minds, and it truly is, gang, a battle for the mind. Whoever wrote that years ago was very accurate. The battles we face, certainly spiritually, they do begin up here between the ears. Our mind affects our heart. Where, where does that molding first and predominantly where is it initiated? Well, it's initiated in our brains, in our minds. That's where the battleground is. Literally in verse 2, where it says, uh, be renewed in the mind, it's the word for intellect. You see, the mind is the control, the control panel for our whole being. Uh, our mind, uh, we are 
we are what and how we think. You are what you think and you are how you think. That how you think and what you think determines who and what we are. It determines our philosophy of life, our attitude, our actions, our reactions, how we view certain things. It determines our perspective. It's in our minds. And I like what John Piper said when he said that the problem with our minds is not merely that we're just finite. It's not that that we need more knowledge of certain subjects and issues. It's not that we're finite, friend. That's not what the problem is. The problem is that we're fallen. We're fallen creatures. We're fallen by nature. And that taints our thinking. Hear me. That prohibits us as natural people from truly enjoying God. We, we, we all understand, man, to truly enjoy the Lord. We need His grace to overcome us and overwhelm us in order for that to even take place. Even on a daily basis as we establish and as we enhance these habits of holiness and these, these disciplines of righteousness, prayer and fasting and meditation and s- scriptural study and Bible reading, all of these things that build us up in the inner man. They are at times such a struggle. Why is that? You ever wondered why we don't find it easy (laughs) to always obey the Lord? Well, friend, it's because we're fallen. We're depraved. We still have that part of us that is cursed by the sin of Adam. We inherited that sin nature from our great, great, great granddaddy. And so we learn that the problem and the battleground is in our minds. Statement number three. A biblical transformation is the antithesis of and the answer to conformity to the world. A biblical transformation. He says, listen, you be careful. Do not be pressed into the mold of this culture. He said, but you be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed, where he says, you be transformed. Uh, It's the the Greek word metamorpho. (laughs) And it's in the present passive imperative. It's a present passive imperative. He'd say, well, What does that mean, Christian? Well, here's what that means. First of all, it means that it's a command. God says, I command you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I command this. It's not optional. You don't have the option to pick and choose. Well, today I'm going to be transformed and tomorrow I'm not going to be. No, no, no. He says, I command you. It's not just a good suggestion. I command. I I place this obligation on you as my child. I want you. This is my revealed will for you, for you to be transformed. So it's a command. But then we understand that it's a continual process. 
It's not just something that's supposed to occur once and then it is over. And hear me, friend, it doesn't just happen at salvation. Now, hear me. It begins, this process begins when we say yes to Jesus. But it is to be an ongoing process. It's continual. It's a present uh, uh, something to be continued over and over and continually in my life. I am to be I am to be increasingly transformed, continually transformed by the renewing of my mind. But then it's in the passive mode. I want you to hear me. This is compared to something that's active or something that's in the active voice. No, no, no. It's passive. Which means, literally, friend, that it's produced by something or someone outside of ourselves. In other words, we are not the authors or the pioneers or the origin of our own transformation. No, 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 no. This transformation is acted upon us by an outside source and an outside force. Well, friend, we know what that outside source and outside force is. It's not us. It's not our own thinking. It's not something we create for ourselves. No, 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 no. It's the Word. And, 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 and the word, the dynamite, as somebody wrote, the dynamite of God, as it gets in us, hear me, friend, it can't help but produce something. God says, I'm not Christian, pal. Thank the Lord. God's not telling me to transform myself. No, 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 no. None of us have that power. But he's saying, if you put the right stuff and the right thing and the right truth in your mind, that's when that transformation begins to take place. Statement number one, there's an ever-present struggle for us to be pressed into the mold of this world. Statement number two, a biblical transformation is the antithesis of and the answer to conformity to the world. The molding occurs first and foremost in our minds. Statement number four, Mind renewal is the key to genuine transformation. Mind renewal is the key. He says you be transformed. How? By the renewing. Literally, it's the word for renovation. The renovating of your mind. 1 Peter 1 verse 13, Simon Peter put it this way. He said, wherefore, or because of this, you, watch this, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, we don't use that term, but Greek scholar A.T. Robertson said that it literally, the term gives a word picture of quickly gathering up the loose edges or the corners of their robes back in the first century. Now, why would they do that? Why would these men and women all of a sudden gather up the corners or the loose edges of their robes? They would gather them up and hold them up if they were in a hurry or when they would start a journey. And what God is saying is, He's speaking of preparation. I'm ready to go. I want you to be ready to move. And I want you to make the preparation you need in your mind. That means we must prepare our minds. 
If the battleground is in the mind, friend, then we must prepare for that battle. And we prepare intellectually by preparing spiritually. We're girding up. We're, we're getting our minds ready to receive truth. And it all begins with mind renewal. Statement number five. And this is, you say this is so elementary. Yes, it's so elementary, but man, it is so important. And it's so neglected. The final statement is, the Word is the main instrument of mind renewal. Listen to 2 Corinthians as we close. Verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. Literally, castles. Fortresses. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that it, it exalts itself against the knowledge of God and with these spiritual weapons called the Word, the Word of Truth. We bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, friend, the truth of the Scripture is the only thing that will tear down the fortresses and the castles of Satan's lies that we have been programmed with and that we buy into and believe on a daily basis. You see, gang, we need a deconstruction and a demolition before there can be a reconstruction. And the Word of God is the only thing that can do both. It tears down those satanic strongholds, those sinful strongholds, that false way of thinking and living, and it builds up in the way that God wants us to live. And so God wants us to overdose on the truth. He wants us to indulge in the truth every day. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face, listen to this precious promise. We all now, because of Christ and the gospel and this new covenant, this new testament, now we all with open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we're transformed and changed into that same image. You see, friend, when every day when I open the Scripture and I spend time reading, thinking, analyzing, highlighting, applying, meditating, God takes this truth, this powerful spiritual weapon, and transforms my mind. And a transformed mind transforms my life. Let's get into the book and get the book into us. Let's close in prayer. Father, help us in Jesus' name by your power to be transformed from the inside out as we make spiritual truth the priority. In Christ's name, amen.